Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to fellowship, to worship you, Father. We thank you and praise you for this word. We pray it does not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. And Father, we pray everything done and said in, in this service will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom and pleasing to you. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so the teacher had a very young class, and they were talking about career day and the, all the different kinds of jobs. So one of the assignments was the little kids were supposed to figure out what their parent did, how to spell it, the name of the job, how to spell it, and what they did. So the first little girl starts, and she says, my mom's a nurse, N-U-R-S-E. She helps sick people. Very good. The next little boy raises his hand and says, my dad is a psychiatrist. And he starts spelling it and spells it wrong, and he starts spelling it and spells it wrong, and starts spelling it and spells it wrong. The teacher said, we'll come back to you in a minute. The third little kid raises his hand and says, my dad is a bookie, B-O-O-K-I-E. And he would give you 20 to 1 odds that he's never going to spell psychiatrist. <clears throat> oh, boy. <clears throat> All right, so this, um, <clears throat> this, you know, I, I told Dr. Bill, I, I thought this sermon was going that way, and then it didn't, it went that way, and then. Basically, this is um, the nicest way I know how is this is going to turn into a short series, right? With all of the same metaphors and, and tie togethers. And so if you liked last week, this week ought to be pretty good. If you didn't like last week, hold on in a week or two, it'll change, and I'm sorry. <clears throat> in, in this one, this, this sermon, like I said, I thought it was going over here and I was going to get to preach it hard. And then it didn't, and it went over here, and now i got to listen to it hard, right? This is a sermon for me, and y'all just get to be part of it, okay? So the, the title for this week is Controlling the Flow. See, last week we primed the pump. And you know what happens when you prime a pump? When you finally get it primed and running, it'll pump. Y'all ever, ever seen that? Like just the first time you turn a well on and there's nothing, and you just sprays water out of the pipe? Right, that's, that's pretty amazing if you're trying to get water out of the ground. That first few minutes of we put in a, a well at the dirt pit, and they finally got it primed and straight, and when it came on, I was like, oh, there's water, and it's a two-inch stream of water, and it is fantastic. But how many of you know that's not a very effective way to do things? That two-inch stream of water just out all the time. In fact, you know, in the pump world, they build mechanisms to stop that from just running constantly. Could you imagine if you just had whatever water you had was just a two-inch stream all the time? I kind of liken it to water and flowers with a fire hose. You ever thought about water and flowers with a fire hose? It wouldn't do a lot of good, would it? You wouldn't have many flowers left. they get plenty of water, but the force used to get the water there would eliminate the flowers. So when we talk about controlling the flow, well, last week we talked about priming the pump. We said that when God moves on the inside of us, Jesus said that waters, the living waters would flow out of us. Now, it's, it's got like two major sections of what we're going to talk about. One major section is that um, we are supposed to control 
What comes out of our face hole? See, that's the part I was hoping not to preach on. You know that part of where the Bible says, the King James says in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, to study, to be quiet. Y'all don't know that I have hated a single scripture my entire life as much as that one. Not hated. Feared, annoyed with, unable to live up to, that study to be quiet. Does anybody know why it says to study to be quiet? Turn with me to James. Uh, James chapter 3 and verse 2. James 3, 2. We all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. For we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn the whole animal. Or for example, ships as an example, although they are large, they are driven about by strong winds, and they are steered by a very small rudder. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body and makes great boasts. See, the problem is, is James said that everybody stumbles, but if you're able to keep your mouth perfect you're perfect that hurts me bad like in the root of my being it it, and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why it's important if you are constantly talking and bombarding and harassing people they will never ever come to you to hear the gospel They will never listen to what you have to say because you are a fool and you never stop talking. Here again, this hurts me at the bottom of my being. The bottom of it, all of it. We have to be so prepared in what we say and preparing for the opportunity to share the gospel when it's appropriate and at the right time, we, we had an issue not so long ago with softball. And it kind of went south pretty quick. And I am, handle it and handle it now. Nope, that wasn't the right way to do it. And it was taken care of. But if I would have reacted on my flesh... Right? I would have said this and that and this and the other thing and had to apologize for all of that. And instead, over time, it worked itself out. I didn't have to act crazy or yell and scream. And what I thought was a personal attack, maybe, turned out to be nothing of the sort. It was a misunderstanding. See, that's where we study to be quiet the Bible says also to be slow to anger. We, we, we have to be in control of our body to where we have this. And the problem is, especially as Christians, we have this water building up on the inside of us, the life-giving Word of God that's on the inside of us, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And we're, so we've been programmed to deliver this water, and we know that the world needs it, and they have to have it. 
But we have to do it in an appropriate time and an appropriate volume. Some of us are watering flowers with a fire hose. Now there's opposite folks, right, who are trying to put out a fire with a spray bottle. I didn't say cut off the flow. It's controlling it. it it's, it's putting you into a place to where you are obedient with God's word, that you're ready to show up and do what God wants you to do, right? It, you're not too early and you're not too late. Isn't that what God does? Isn't he right on time? He's never early and he's never late. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't get thrown around. He has all the facts. He makes the right decision. And it's in a controlled, even, mannerly fashion. It's not watering flowers with a fire hose. It's not putting out fires with a spritz bottle. It's perfect. It's the right amount. The right amount. You know, old school, right? They used to have carburetors and you could adjust the carburetor up and get more fuel and, or adjust it down and it would run leaner or richer, right? Y'all all smarter than me. I don't know how to do that. But it's not enough, doesn't work. Too much, doesn't work. It'll flood. Just enough. Just enough. Same thing with our farmers, right? They want just the right amount of rain. They don't want eight inches in one day. They want a inch or three quarters of an inch every other day for a couple of three weeks right same amount of water completely different flow same thing on the hunting club santee river runs at about seven thousand cubic feet per second and that's its normal thing and and that's great but if they go to seven thousand that's their normal plus twelve thousand we turn into a fishing club and not a hunting club we want the water in the creeks. We just don't want the water in the roads. When we are Christians, we have all of this built up on the inside of us, and we're either doing one of two things. Either we're trying to put out the fire with the spritz, which means we're not giving the gospel to anybody. Anyhow, not near enough. We're not showing up the way we're supposed to show up. We're not showing them what Christians are supposed to look like. We don't have this flow coming out of us. Or, some of y'all take this as a weapon, like a set of nunchucks, and you're trying to beat them about the head and neck area with the gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you, you don't win a lot of souls beating people with the Bible. And, because we're imperfect, when we get what they call preachy, people start to dissect everything that you do and say. They take every action, every word, every sentence, and compare you back to the perfect Christ. That's why it says study to be quiet. That what you say can and will be used against you later. Y'all ever fell victim to that? Riley did that to me the other day. Six months ago, I said something. She brought it up the other day. We're not going to have another one of those conversations, are we? Nope, we sure aren't. I'd never say that on March the 31st, or whatever day she told me I said it on. As Christians, we have to be really careful on what we say to folks who need the Savior. 
Because when we act a fool constantly, and then when the time arises to where they need the water, they could be in the middle of the Sahara Desert and you have a cold glass of water, and they so don't trust what you have to say because you have said everything different that they won't take it. Jesus says, out of our, the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Let's, let's go look at that. Uh, the gospel according to Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 12. Matthew 12 and verse 33. <clears throat> make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For the tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And a good man brings things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. He would stopped right there. I'd have been pretty bad, but I'd have been okay. 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on judgment day for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. That makes you want to turn that valve on down a little bit, doesn't it? I got to count for all of what I said? All of what I said? Not the stuff, not the stuff I said when I was mad, right? I mean, come on now. While I was mad, really? I got to keep up with that? How about the stuff when I didn't know any better? Well, I hope I get a pass on that one. So as Christians, when we are looking at this scenario, that it, the flowing waters on the inside of us get all boiled up and excited. That we should speak what's in our heart. How many of y'all ever had an opportunity where you've like, um, I ain't even opened the book yet. No, gonna. How many of y'all ever had an opportunity where you like, you 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 just doing your daily deal, whatever you do. And, and all of a sudden, something comes up on the inside of you. Just, man, I really need to. I really need to call, old so and so, and check on them. I really need to text them and make sure they're okay. Or I call them on the phone. I think I need to call them on the phone. Y'all ever, y'all ever had that? Do you do it? See, that's the appropriate amount of flow. Now, I'm not saying to go on Facebook and rant about what you think they got going on in their life and what you think they've been doing wrong and quote scripture against whatever their, your neighbor is doing, right? Like if your neighbor has too much junk in the yard and you're constantly putting on there that godliness is next to cleanliness or whatever that lie is that ain't really in the Bible, you know what I'm saying. That's not how the gospel is supposed to be used. It, it is not an attack on humankind. It is a redeeming force sent from the creator of the universe that all would come to know the glory of God and the grace and to be saved. Y'all ever let, let a little kid hold a water hose? You know, every once in a while, you, 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 you sell, yeah, it's hot, and you let a little kid hold a hose, and you think they're just going to play with it, and then all of a sudden they turn around and squirt you with it? Y'all ever had that scenario? Well, I, I had some little kids that... It, it kind of did some of that, right? L little kids like to squirt you with it. Or a water gun or whatever. That's not the appropriate amount of flow. It is. 
But that's how some Christians act. We wait till the, our neighbor's not looking and we squirt them in the back with a water hose. And they act like we didn't do it. And then do it again. See, we have to be, and it's hard. We have to be consistent. We have to be accountable. We are, a lot of times, the only Jesus those folks see. Even this week, even this week, especially this week, I saw this crazy whatever you want to call it on Facebook about how church people are crazy and they're terrible and they're liars and this, that, and the other. And This guy was scorned by a church. Local guy. That's all he wanted to talk about is how terrible people were and how hypocritical people were and how horrible people were and how because those people were terrible, their God was obviously the same. Now that doesn't make sense, right? That would be like judging all Clemson fans by Stephen. <laughs> That's not fair, right? Or all Carolina fans by the worst Carolina fan you can come up with. And we won't even talk about Georgia fans because they might start barking at you. But you know what I'm saying. It's not fair that the body of Christ is judged by a few unfortunately the lie that is told to the world is that is what a christian looks like and that is what a christian looks like granddaddy used to say well if that's what a christian looks like i don't want to be a christian right that's what people used to say i want us to be the opposite that we're so full of god's love that that abundance in our heart is so full that what we say is God's word, and what we do it lines up with God's word, that people have a longing to have what we have. Now, those people who say, well, that's what church people is, and I don't want to be like church people, I guess fail to realize that if you actually read the Gospels, that most of the villains in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are in fact, anybody know? Church people. Sadducees and Pharisees, they were the, the leaders of the, of the religion that were constantly attacking and bombarding and tearing down and arresting and beating and torturing all of the folks. Makes it a slippery slope, right? Because you have to believe at some point in time, you hope that those people really thought that they were doing what God's word told them to do. That the Sadducees and Pharisees really believed that they were living according to the custom and the law of the Jewish people, right? That that's what they were supposed to do. Well, we were supposed to stone that person. It says so right here. Right when they brought the girl to Jesus who had committed adultery, and, and, and they brought her and said, stone her. Why? Because they knew, according to their beliefs, that's what he was supposed to do. That's what he was supposed to do. And to be a good church person, that's what he was supposed to do. But just like he's done for thousands of years, right on time, and with the perfect response, he turned around and drew in the dirt and said, whoever doesn't have, nobody would sin, you, you throw the first rock. Whoever hasn't sinned, you, you throw the first rock. He didn't say anything about rock two or three or four, because I think once one goes, all of them go pretty easy. 
But, but you start. The perfect one, you start. And in the scenario that he was standing there, there was only one person in the scenario who could have thrown a rock. And in the opportunity given to him, he said, uh, go and sin no more. That's the grace of God and what we are supposed to be looking like. If you want to be Christ-like, it is not to be standing there with a handful of rocks ready to throw it at the world. And it's, and it's hard. And it's hard to, to manage the stress and the life and all of the things that we have and be held accountable for what we say and know that we are supposed to represent God at the best of our ability and still not be able to get mad and yell and scream and act crazy or get frustrated and act out of the way because it is that opportunity when somebody is going to say, I thought you were a Christian. And that might not happen to y'all a lot. That happens to me a whole bunch. There is not a better statement people like to tell me is, I thought you was a preacher. They love it. Satan loves that. That is his favorite sentence in my world. I mean, my fa his favorite sentence in my world is, I thought you were a preacher. And I've had to answer that a couple of times and say, hey, yeah, I am, and I'm still not perfect. And, and if it still wasn't for the grace of God, I would be a sinner, right? But I have been saved through grace, right? He's forgiven my sins. Still not perfect. The problem is, is the people who are trying to order the flowers with a fire hose, they pretend that they're perfect. They, they live according to God's word. They do everything. I read my Bible. I go to church. I tithe. I do exactly what I'm supposed to do. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. I don't go anywhere I'm not supposed to go. I do exactly what I'm supposed to do all the time, and you don't, and you're a sinner. Those are the people. Those are the people hurting the body of Christ. And look, I'm not saying they're not, they don't know part of the Bible. I'm not saying that they don't, can't be a vessel for salvation. Here again, you have to have a pretty tough flower to survive the fire hose. But Jesus called us to be humble and meek, right? And to study to be quiet. It's that old commercial about E.F. Hutton. That's, that's daddy's E.F. Hutton in our family. He, he don't say a lot, right? Because he probably listens to that study to be quiet more than all of us put together times two. But what he does say, everybody stops and listens. Why? Because we figure if he's going to stop and start talking, it is important enough for us to stop and listen. How about if you were that kind of Christian that you were so in tune to what God's word said that when you started talking, people stopped and listened. I, I really think that's where we were trying to get. It's just enough. Not too much. Not too little. Right? Because, I mean, there's the opposite side of this coin is you can walk around and not speak to anybody and not do anything, not associate with anybody and not spread the gospel at all. And you are just as ineffective as the person who was trying to beat him about the head and neck area with the Bible. Same. I told y'all, this is a tough sermon. Y'all don't have to be so quiet. <clears throat> as Christians, 
as we renew our mind, right? In Romans 12, it says that we renew our mind and we sacrifice this body and we line up with God's word. We take the old out and we put the new in and we get more like Christ every day. That is our goal, right? When we renew our mind, that the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's where you get into the place to where it's just enough, Jesus. Not crazy, running people down, yelling and screaming on Facebook, 97 different posts about what's wrong with the world today and how kids are terrible and this, that, and the other. It's just enough. Just enough. <clears throat> um, and I guess I ought to open this book. I know what the scripture is, I just don't remember the number. <clears throat> Colossians. Oh. Colossians 4, verse 5. Now, as I was prepared for this this week, I nicknamed this scripture. In fact, I have it written over here beside the thing. This, this right here, this is called the grit scripture. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make sure the most of every opportunity in six. And let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt that you will know how to answer everyone grits y'all ever had grits that wasn't seasoned can't stand them we have to live our life with the perfect amount of butter and salt not too much although i'm not sure you can but i'm just saying that the perfect amount of butter and salt to where we are so conscious of what we're doing that our conversation it, look look we, we're going to talk to people we're going to conversate with people, but it's seasoned. It's full of grace. It's exactly how we're supposed to act. It's not overbearing. It's not underwhelming. It's the exact amount that's necessary for the situation. Now, look, it's, it's how you talk to people, right? Growing up, I coached baseball for years until I had girls, and then we coached softball, and sometimes people accuse me of yelling. And I'm not yelling. I'm coaching. You're just far away. I need you to hear me. Right, Joe? I didn't yell at all when I coached baseball. None. I just need you to hear what I'm thinking over here. And in the appropriate time and manner and on the field, that's exactly the right way to talk to people. That when it's seasoned, it's for that purpose. It's how you do in that scenario. It's where you need to be when what's going on right then. That it's full of grace and it's seasoned perfectly. <clears throat> I'll tell you all something real funny before I get done. I, I watched a video this week and I took it personally. And it was, it was a joke about the different kinds of pastors, Right? And it was like, which pastor do you have? And it went through a series of pastors, right? And you were supposed to pick which one you had. Well, one guy kept picking his Bible up and shaking it at the congregation and yelling. And I said, well, I sometimes do that. 
And the next guy was crying and wiping his face. And I said, well, I sometimes do that. And then the next guy was um, drinking water nonstop and had it slopped all over his face. And I said, I sometimes do that. And the last guy never stopped on time. Well, I'm not him. Thomas stands up. I know it's time, right? <laughs> Just thought it was cute. So when we, when we live in our day-to-day life, we have to control the flow. The appropriate amount at the right time. Not the inappropriate amount. The appropriate amount at the right time. And I hear the thing like, but you don't understand, and the people I deal with, yeah? Think about the people Jesus dealt with and the situations he was put in and where he was at. And every time he reacted at the appropriate time. Now, if there was just a way that you could pour that into yourself to where you would know how to react. See, that goes back to priming the pump, doesn't it? When we study God's Word and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, if we're quiet enough and we watch what we say, that inner directional system, it'll start showing up in what you're saying. You'll start catching yourself before you say something dumb. Two times this week, I'm proud of me, two different times, two completely different scenarios, I went, I'm not talking about that, and walked off. For me, that is a big win. If you know me, that is a huge win that I have avoided conflict two times this week that I easily could have blown my top and got away with it, right? But then I was thinking, control the flow. I'll bring it back tomorrow. We, we good. Just calm down. All right. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Father, we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.